Hello and welcome to the As Yet Unnamed Gaming Podcast. I think I'm going to keep the name. My name's Kevin. I'm Jacob. And this is a kind of single take, conversational podcast. Currently we're covering Keyforge for the foreseeable future. Yeah, and there's a lot to cover with Keyforge. I think we'll be on it for a little while. We did a more general archetype review last time and we're going to start pushing into some deeper dives. Uh, starting today with maybe the boogeyman of Arc for, uh, Keyforge, of Archon. Um, almost said Arcforge, which is, that's our new game. It's a new Keep game. your eyes out on the future for Arcforge. Keyforge 2020. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, today we're going to talk about combo. Uh, people hate it. We don't. We love it. Yeah, it's, I'm a fan. I was a fan of it in Magic. I'm a fan of it in Keyforge. I'm a fan of it in any game that lets me set up some sort of engine. Um, which I guess in this game, the engine decks are not combo decks. So that's a bad analogy. <laughs> it's like a one-turn engine. It's yeah, like one-turn engine. engine. I'm gonna win the game or... You know, there's there's a couple types of combo decks in this game so far. Maybe there's some undiscovered. Who knows? Could be. Um, every once in a while, I still see cards. My opponents play a card and go... Yeah. I have not seen that card. We'll see, too. Okay. Yeah, I have uh, to ask. Yeah, okay. Does something hyper-specific? Great. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, within combo, there's <clears throat> essentially, we've found two sub-archetypes. The first one is functionally dead. It's turned from <laughs> lockdown, is what we would call it, which is like Restringitus, um, Control the Weak, and some kind of recursion, usually Witch of the Eye with either Dominator Bobble or just Maverick in very rare um and it would take away all of your options it would say you have to choose this house you can't choose this house in the way the rules worked at that time you couldn't do anything you couldn't choose a house you just auto pass your turn start your turn do you have any omni effects no you lose yeah <clears throat> so um it got kind of nerfed so now the way it works is kind of kind of Kind of nerf. The cards still work independently. Yes. They're still both good <clears throat> on their own. I think Restrangers and Control of the Week are powerful cards. They just no longer take the rest of the turns. Yeah. So the way it works now is the cannot effect, which is Restrangers saying you cannot choose Untamed, Mars, Sanctum, whatever, trumps the must effect. So Control of the Week says you must choose Untamed. Right. Um, this way, if, if you play those two cards in that way, your opponent suddenly is out of the Restringentus lock, I think. No. 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 In the Restringentus lock, but not restricted to right. the control week. Well, so if you have Restringentus and you're naming Logos, and then you control the week <coughs> Logos, your control week did absolutely nothing. They just pick one of their other two houses. Sure. You can still force them into one of their two available houses, which has benefits, of sure. course. Um... So, yeah, the soft lock decks, I think they can also include things like Zookeeper and John Smith, because occasionally those get on the board and you don't have a, a presence to answer them, and anything you add to the board is just going to be removed. You need an action to remove them. Not every deck has that. Most have it, but not all of them have it in their hand. Right. And then you combine those with something like Crystal Hive, and the game might be over in just a couple Yeah, turns. you're kind of off balance because of this wall that you can't really get through for right. a couple turns. You need to dig for it, yep. 
and that's what we would call like a soft lock. For yep. those few turns, you're essentially not really playing the game as much yep. anymore. You might be trying, adding a couple things, but they just get eaten by the zookeeper, or your actions don't really have any meaningful effect on the game, you're just trying to draw new cards. Um, what other kind of soft locks are there? We talked about a couple previously. There's like, uh, any kind, essentially any kind of recursion. Yep. Um, so, Witch of the Eye, I had, a, I had an interesting game with like Witch of the Eye and Mimicry, and I was copying my opponent's control of the week. So every turn I was picking their house, and I was trying to pick one that obviously wasn't going to kill the Witch of the Eye. Um, I had, like, a Novu Archaeologist going, and he was cycling back in Effervescent Principle, so just, like, keep my opponent off of the keys the whole time until I figured out something else to do with the slots in my hand. Right, and I, th and I feel like you can do the same thing if you have, like, Dominator, Bobble, Witch of the Eye, and Key Hammer. Let them forge a key, undo it. Keep yeah. doing that. They're never going to get a key. Like, yeah. uh, I don't know, maybe there's probably a way to recur Miasma over and over. I don't know. Yeah. Essentially anything that you can do that your opponent has to answer in order to win the game. Yeah. Uh, you can't win the game as long as this is happening. Right. That's what would be like a soft lock. Right, and if you're continuing your plan of creating Amber, and like, like especially if it's a Witch of the Eye type recursion, you're at least getting one Amber off that Reap every turn. The John Smiths with the uh, zookeeper, you know, that, they can create a lot of amber fast, especially Crystal if you throw that Crystal Hive. Completely not for that one. Crystal yeah. Hive and John Smith is a combo on itself. Yeah. It's and nuts. whenever you look at your Mars decks and immediately go, Ugh, Mars, look for John Smith and Crystal Hive. Yeah. It's got some good stuff. So, briefly, we do want to talk about kind of how a combat um, combo decks. We're going to get more depth in the, the next kind of combo, but for the lockdown decks, you just need an answer to the lock. Essentially, it's usually a creature, um, some kind of creature creatures. removal. Most of your decks have creature removal. Another answer to it, potentially like the, the recursion from discard, is something like Creeping Oblivion that removes cards. Yep. Um, if you can purge cards, it's better than just putting them into the discard because it keeps it from coming back later in the game. So right. that's just kind of briefly touching on what you're looking for there. Um, uh, and then the next kind of combo we're going to talk about. Actually, one last thing on the softlock thing is there's a specific thing that can happen with Restrangetus that you can protect yourself from, and that's, while it's exciting to play your hands <clears throat> in a way that you get to play five or six cards in one turn, if you're building up towards a turn where you get a six-card turn and they play Restrangetus, you probably lose. Yeah, you're most... So, and they name the house that you have six Right, cause, and it's usually going to be obvious because it's it been is. several turns since you played it. Maybe you haven't played it at all this game. They're yeah. going to know. It's very unlikely that you just haven't drawn any of that house. So they're going to pick that house and just watch Restrangetus specifically. It's it's going to hurt you. Control the week hurts you to a lesser extent. It's not going to lock you out of the game. But Skips it might take turn. your full turn if you think you're building up to a five or six card turn and you don't get to play any of them and this ties back into uh, what we talked about in our intro episode which is if you're at an archon event and you have the opportunity to look at your opponent's deck look for these cards look for specific cards that you either know you have to alter your play against or that you know are good against you specifically if you're playing something like maybe you're playing one of these combo decks you're looking for those kind of cards that give people outs so the next Kind the kind of current, what would we call yeah. it? Uh, yeah, I mean the enemy of the state. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the out of phase forging. I guess there's two 
pieces of this. There's library access and pen seed is what we're talking about. Library access and pen seed or library access reverse time, which is kind of the flimsier version. Uh, you kind of need to start that It can early. even be just like a very lucky library access with the other parts. That's yes. extremely rare. Yeah, but. yeah. there's always the library access when you have almost no cards left in your deck. And then within immediately after shuffling redraw, you can win through that. Yeah. But most likely, the decks that are going to perform the best are going to be library access plus Nepenthe Seed specifically. Reverse time, kind of doing an impression, but a little riskier. So in this in this archetype, um, the kind of other minor part that I would still call combo in, in the out-of-phase sub-archetype that we're talking about is any deck that I think has more than one card that lets you forge a key not in your forge a key step. This is Chota Hazuri, this is Key Charge, this is Key Abduction, and this is Key of Darkness. Key of Darkness is bad enough that I don't think it Sounds pretty really much, yeah. comes into play. It's it's just... It's like minimum 8 costs? Minimum 8 if you have them at 0 amber, I believe. That's true. Which is... I it mean, still it's does. Come it's, it, it does sure. exist. Um, I think... And Epic Quest. Epic Quest is the one. Um, so any deck with multiples of those, I would consider a potential out-of-phase combo deck because they can maybe forge three keys, at least two keys in one turn. Right. Their natural forge and the, the out-of-phase. Right, and sometimes you'll see... I think I think it's most common with Untamed. You'll... Your opponent, maybe they built up to seven or eight amber on their turn and you don't have a good way to take it away from them. So they start their turn and they forge a key and then they start playing Hunting Witches and then here comes the key charge or the Chota and... Now they have two keys. Maybe that was their third key, and you just you can't prepare for everything. And sometimes these decks can steal the keys before you think you need to interact with them. So the on to the big one. Yeah. We have a good example of this deck that we're gonna talk about. Yeah, and so I think I'll bring it up. I forgot to do this. I had a keyboard. Yeah. <laughs> so this is Jacob's deck. He's gonna talk about it. Yeah, so I I got this deck. Uh, it's the White of Zostold. Uh, How much did you pay for this deck? I paid $9.99. Okay. Uh, $9.99 to be clear. <laughs> um, I, I've been... He, he's making that joke because I've been asked several times already while playing this, both in person and online, how much did you pay for that deck? Where, you know, Who'd you buy that from? And and I guess maybe we should go into this a little bit. It, it might not immediately appear why people are asking this. But through the actual gameplay of this deck, it is consistently winning in a single turn. Often, I think the average turn is about turn six or seven. Yeah, we've seen around that. Um, we've seen turn two. Yep. We've seen turn three. That was a fun game. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was um, a quick game. And this is a surprisingly powerful version of this archetype. It... Not only does it just have the simple library access and pen seed plus a phase shift and a key charge, this, the the multiples really drive this one home, as well as a couple of kind of odd things that let you get through your deck faster to find all the pieces you need. So just kind of running through the list a little bit, uh, not every single card, but like, so two lab works and a shadow's hidden stash, which is essentially just the exact same as lab work, but in another house. These cards are just, they essentially let you get an extra card out of your hand. 
and this is something about these decks I think it's important to note is if you try to play these decks like a normal deck, you are going to fail. They're dysfunctional. Yeah, they don't... This deck... Like, just look at the... The Amber creation, not that high. The Amber control, pretty low. The creature count, really low. I believe this one is, is 11? 11. Yeah. Uh, these... This is not going to get you a victory through normal play. So what you'll find is discard. Discarding a lot of cards. Archiving cards that you don't want to pull back from your archives. Cards that you want to get rid of forever. Yeah, like a good archive is something you'll need later. A fine archive is something you don't want right now. And you don't want to redraw when you shuffle your deck. Um, so, like, the Lab Wars and the Hintash do that. Uh, phase shifts, not only do they help you win the game when you actually proceed through the combo. Every time you play a phase shift on a build-up turn, it lets you essentially discard cards out of another house. Like, maybe you're just... If your turn is phase shift, phase shift, lab work, and three cards of another house, you discarded all six cards. You get six new cards looking for the pieces you need. Uh, and you only need two pieces. It, these cards and then including wild wormhole another card that lets you play a random second card where in this deck there's a a small failure rate on it <laughs> where if you hit their the, opponents just crossing their fingers yeah if you hit the library access on a random turn off of a wild wormhole you're you're in trouble um because you have to come up with a new plan right you're temporary yeah may, like that is part of the reason why you should if you're gonna take a logos turn and play a wild wormhole lead on it yeah um <laughs> at least then maybe you have some more cards to play after it's true uh but basically these amount to there's seven cards in this deck that just freely let you play an extra card this, this basically means it's a 29 card deck with a two card combo in it that's noticeably better than a 36 card deck yeah. With a two card combo. So this is we're talking about kind of the um, support cards that help you set up. How does the deck actually work? Most people know right. what's the core of the deck right. that we need to talk about. Why are you winning in one turn? Right. How so, are you cheating? <laughs> so what's actually happening is you get a nepenthe seed onto the field. I don't you have to take in this one. You have to take in. You don't have to take an untamed turn. No, you, you can phase shift it out shift it in. or wild worm hold out. But you're not doing it on the same turn. You're not, this is you, a setup turn. It, it, you need two turns. Um, but the second turn, you will win the game most likely if you start. Um, so with the Nepenthe seed in play, you play library access, and then you use the Omni ability on the Nepenthe seed to pull back the library access, and you replay it. You draw a card for the first one. You draw a card for the first one. And now you're drawing two per logo. Yep. And now two every, per card. Two per card you play. Every card you play, you're going to draw two cards. And again, going back to these cards that let you play extra cards, or just sift through extra cards, it pretty quickly you're able to sift your deck down to zero cards. And then you're going to shuffle your discard in, and then you're going to pretty quickly get it back down to zero. And now all you're going to do is just play a logos card, it goes to discard, play a different Logos card, draw that. And you do this, and this deck is capable of making enough Amber and then playing three key charges off those phase shifts, which you can play. You can use phase shift six times, even though it's three copies, you can only use it six times total. But 
So you get the three key charges plus three other cards. In this deck, it's commonly going to be Nature's Call and Full Moon if you need a little more amber. Maybe they have a Lash out and you need to just produce extra amber. This deck can do that. It can get through a Lash. Um, I think you're starting to have trouble when they have like Lash plus... Mermook? <laughs> Mermook, but <laughs> Mermook you can answer with the... No, with sure. the yeah. uh, Nature's Call. Nature's Call, but... Basically, you're gonna. If you start going off, you're probably gonna win. It, the failure rate is pretty low because of all these extra redraws. And once you hit, once you shuffle it in, and you hit that third library access play, it's over. The game has ended. Your opponent can pick up their cards and leave if they'd like. And that's kind of the problem with these archetypes: is your opponents are not happy about this, yeah. and people aren't having fun. I'm having fun. Yeah. Uh, Kevin even enjoys losing to them a little bit. I, I also enjoy beating them. Yeah. And playing, I enjoy playing against them, picking apart how they work and how I would approach combating it. Yeah, I, it's just, it's a powerful, it's unexpected to some people. And, and, and again, this, this is something we're gonna keep hitting on. Know your opponent's deck. Like, yeah. know that I'm gonna try, be trying to do this. Obviously... This Nepenthe Seed is the obvious target. We'll, we'll talk about that here yeah. in a couple minutes. Uh, but know that if, if I get to go, the game's over. You don't get to take another turn. You don't, your bait and switches, they don't matter. Yeah. Routine jobs, they don't matter. Because I'm not relevant. I'm in, Unless they're getting you to three keys before the combo deck actually starts working, those cards are completely irrelevant. And right? you're not gaining enough amber for that to be relevant. And in fact, if my opponent is playing cards like bait and switch and stuff, I'm more likely to discard some cards that just give me a random amber. Like, I'm not discarding face shifts because they help me dig through my deck faster. Um, but I might just discard the pawn sacrifices if there's nothing really relevant to kill. I might just discard the lights out. Like, if I, I can choose how much amber I have because the amber I have in the beginning game does not matter. Yeah, you'll make plenty on that one turn. So we talked about some support cards in here, and everything, it's a unique deck game, every deck yep. is different, this deck specifically has some strengths. I think we should talk about the the second and third houses, so yes. Logos is kind of the primary house it does, it's, right. you're on a Logos turn when you're yep. winning, what do the other houses do? Right, so in this specific deck, we, we kind of just hit the jackpot a little bit. <laughs> um, for one, there's... There's only one card in the deck that I believe to be a true brick, and that's Way of the Bear. It essentially does nothing. It creates an amber, which doesn't not, matter. Not really. I'm actually, often, actually bad some of the if, time. If my opponent shadows, it might be worse for me than just discarding it. So, starting in the shadows, we have just a couple... Like We have, we have that hidden stash that we talked about with the lab works. But then there's also Lights Out, Weebliette. How do you want to say that? Weebliette. Weebliette. I think that's for now. Sure. Uh... Pawn Sacrifices, these are cards that are just going to let me uh, destroy things that might matter, or hold you off of a turn uh, with this, the Miasma in that list. The, these are cards that are helping me make the game go longer without forcing me to commit too much. They let you win those games where your Library Access or Nepenthe is in like the bottom 10 or 8 or 6 cards of your deck because right. your opponent's not winning 
You're right. taking creatures, relevant creatures off. You're saying, oh, you have six. I'm going to miasma by another turn. Yep. And this deck gets through its deck remarkably fast. Uh, and again, in Chattels, like, there's a couple of random creatures. And I don't particularly care about any of these creatures. There's a Bad Penny, Nexus, Smiling Ruth. I'm not making a key normally. A couple Umbras. I don't want to... If, if, if those are on the field... That probably means I'm pretty far from taking another Shadows turn. Yeah. Because I'm not going to have three Shadows cards to discard, which is all I care about. Uh, but the nice thing is, there happens to be a few extra Shadows creatures here when I have these Pawn Sacrifices, which are going to help me clear off the problem cards. Like, Ember Imps are a real problem sometimes. Um, it's not a death knell, but it is something I have to answer before I can continue. Nexus. Nexus, yep. Nexus and Snudge is another one, which Pawn Sacrifice doesn't handle great so on its takes, own. It takes a little bit of work to get rid but of it. You can, but you can clear it. Um, the last card here on the Shadows list, it's kind of a funny one. The, <laughs> I love it. The Ring of Invisibility feels like a brick. Occasionally you throw it on the, the mother over on the Logos side because you know, it becomes elusive, yeah, a little harder to get off the board. Bit, yeah. But barely, because I'm not really controlling the board that much. Yeah. They're probably If they want two creatures out that can kill a mother, they can do it. But where it really kind of comes off as great is you just throw it on their creature that is maybe a little better, mm. maybe something that you need to answer, and then you move over to this untamed house, and there's just this perilous wild. Random, this, seemingly random. Yep. This card does a little bit. It's it's, it's probably never great. It's great against uh, the other combo we were talking yep. about, John Smith, yep, Zookeeper, which is irrelevant against you, unless they're making a bunch of amber. Right, it's pretty good. Yeah, it can be good against Mars, kind of, in general. Mars yeah. has a lot of them. Mars uh, and Shadows, specifically. Shadows has a bunch of elusive creatures. They're not Most of them you don't particularly care steal, about. Yeah. Um, but, so this Perilous Wild, just kind of odd, rare in this deck, just kind of puts it a step up. It just gives it this little extra punch. Um, and then, the other cards in here, like, Cooperative hunting plus save the pack. Occasionally, that's just going to help you clear off a couple random creatures. Although you'll find that save the pack is most often the discard because it gives you that chain. You don't really want the. You don't want a chain. It that slows you down by an entire card, which maybe is the difference. Um, And again, just a few creatures at the bottom, big twig and halicor and mushroom man, benefited these. They're big. They handle things. Sometimes you get to fight stuff off the board. That does matter. Um, and again, Wave of the Bear. Horrible card in this deck. Actually dead. The Makes an amber. That's a downside. It's, a, it's at the end of the list. I wish I could just drop it off. Yeah. Uh, and again, one other thing that I kind of glossed over here, but there's a specific thing in the Logos house that's happening, and that's Bat Drone, Dexter, Mother. Exactly three Logos creatures. This is the number of creatures this, deck's, this deck wants. Uh, Nature's Call, returning the three of them off of a phase shift in the middle of a combo turn, nets me six, eight cards plus, maybe more. So having just these three is just the perfect amount because the rest of my cards, other than this one library of Babel, which sometimes helps me out a little earlier in the game, everything else is just letting me get redraws because they're going to my discard, which means I get to draw them again, I get to play them again. This is crucial for this deck. Right. So, I guess, kind of talking about that, like, maybe we're 
it sounds like we're talking this deck up a little bit. It's, it's my deck, so... It's a very good deck. <laughs> we, we believe this deck is very good. Uh, we think this, this might even be a deck that you don't even need to specifically prepare for. Because there's not going to be many that are yeah. quite this efficient. I think this archetype, and if you're prepared for this one, you can beat similar decks of the same type. Right. Um, but essentially what you're saying is all of your wins are because you were extremely lucky with $10 that you spent at Barnes yes. & Noble. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I, as of recording this, I've, I've only had a chance to bring it to one chain-bound event. I, I won my four rounds, I have my four chains. I'm going to continue. You got second place in that event. <laughs> I did get second place in that event on Tiger. Uh But there was no prizes to first place either. Correct. So, free events, I guess... This is what you get right now. You might want to avoid free chain bound events at this one. Yeah. So yeah, a little four chains added in my deck, no benefit. Yeah. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna do my best to ascend this deck. Yeah. I'm gonna get this deck up there. We're gonna, we're gonna retire it because this deck is great. Yeah. My opponents aren't having fun playing against it, so the faster I can yeah. remove it from playability, the better for that for everyone. You else. have a personal goal that requires you to keep playing it. Right. And I had a s similar experience. Uh, or first, I guess I talked at this chain bond event. I did two. Actually, might have been three of my opponents specifically commented that they were not having fun, or they didn't even quite understand exactly what I was doing. Whether it was allowed, was I cheating somehow through this the rule of six stuff? Like I, I have to use dice to keep track of how many times I've played lab work in a turn because I'm drawing my deck over and over and over. People aren't having fun against me. And that and that does suck. Like, I want to win. This is my best deck by a pretty wide margin. Um, and people aren't having fun against me. And yeah. It, That's it, a, on, it the topic of, on the topic of people not having fun, and, and we talked about this in the intro, It's they kind of feel like they've lost control of the game. They maybe felt like they were winning. They felt like they had the tempo, and you take it away from them. Part of the reason that we're even talking about this deck is to kind of bring up counters to it yes. cards that are good um what a what a, a deck might look like that would be a good counter to it right. um so we've kind of covered how the deck works and you also we played in a you played in a yeah uh, 64 person yeah, single limit just yesterday uh, event run by thekeyforge.com uh they did a you know free 64 person single elimination archon tournament um i had nothing better to do on my tuesday evening so i <laughs> Entered up for that and, you know, tried to, you know, try my luck at it. And and I ended up winning it, which is six, six straight six victories. Uh, my Most of my games weren't particularly close. Um, I, I, they were mostly three keys to two, Jacob. That's a close game. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, so, and this is the thing, like, you can look, I can look at their list as I open, you know, we start our game and I just take a glance at their list and... I just look for a few cards that we're going to cover here in a second, and when I don't see these cards, it just what that tells me is, you know, it doesn't matter what I do. I just need to discard as many cards as I can. When so before they do. That's when I find the two pieces, they're dead, because yeah. they're not going to stop me. Um, and so that was, that was another experience of, at the end, you kind of get the people, all my opponents were gracious, no one was rude, but you go back to the Discord, and again, no one is particularly rude but there's comments like uh another person 
described the chat as similar to when Apollo ro- knocks out Rocky <laughs> and the crowd is booing and throwing popcorn. <laughs> because people are, are, are spectating the game and they're thinking, like, oh, great, this deck won. And, mm-hmm. like, this kind of leads back to, there's another website, uh, I think it's Keyforge Events, they run events, they've banned the library access decks from some of their events. Specifically library access plus defense. Yes. You if can you play have, other library yes. access. Can you, you play have, the time reversal one, or the reverse time You one? cannot have library access or reverse time either. Okay. If you have library access in either of those two cards, you cannot enter, I believe it's just their Friday Arkham Not They're kind of big event. Yeah, they're, they're kind of, you know... If you don't have a great store to go to on a Friday night, just sure. you know, go online and play this. So it's a it's a cool thing. I wanted to play it, and I learned that I could not play my best deck, and it's kind of unexciting to me. Okay, so uh, if you are looking at your opponent's deck and you see something like this, you see specifically these, these four cards: Library Access, Phase Shift, Key Charge, and Defense Seed. They are 100% trying to win in one turn or something close to that. It might not be quite as consistent of a one-turn kill as this deck, um, but they are trying to do something like that. You can look at the rest of the deck, see if they have other plans, but it's mostly going to come down to them digging for those cards and making them work. So, how do you combat this? Well, as we talked about, there's two turns that are important for this combo. The lead-up turn which a Nepenthe Seed has to come into play, yep. it's exhausted, you can't use it yet. It sits in play on your opponent's whole turn. Yep. That's your window. Yep. That is that is the time to strike. Yes. Um, you're not going to have an active Nexus, you're not going to have an active Snudge, because this deck is not going to go off right. when those things... They're yeah. not, it's not yes. going to even try. It, just, it won't play them out. <clears throat> uh, there's... If they do, use those cards, bounce and kill the Nepenthe Seed, do whatever you can. Your opponent played wrong, right. essentially. Yeah, just assume that... If they played out the Nepenthe Seed and you just have a free on-board way to kill it, something else is going on. Yeah. And maybe they messed up, but probably they have another plan. Yeah. Um, so, the Nepenthe Seed is in play. It's your turn. What do you do? Well, first of all, you have to have a deck that has some kind of answer in yeah. it. If you don't have an answer yeah. to the Nepenthe Seed, this is the crux of the deck, is that Nepenthe Seed sitting in play, you have to win before they play it. If they've yeah. played it and you pass the turn, you've most likely lost the game. Against this deck, you have almost certainly lost the game. Yes. Um, so, the cards that we've found that are kind of immediate, they handle and defense seed, and they set the deck back long enough for you to win. It's not permanent, right. these aren't even like purging it, um, but they buy you enough time to probably win. Because most of the time, you're waiting until they've got a couple keys and some amber, and they're pretty close, and you're like, okay, it's time to go. Right. Um, at that point, as the opponent of this deck, you're pretty close to winning. If you set them yeah. off for three, four turns, yeah. two turns even, you might get there. It could, just, it could even be just be buying one turn. So, number one, getting back down to it, is remote access. So, this card, it's a Logos card, makes an amber, use an opponent's artifact as if it were yours. You just use their pen seed, it goes into their discard, you get to get a card back, take the rest of your turn. If this is the only thing you do on this turn, yeah. it is good. Yes. <laughs> take a Logos turn. If you can archive this against this deck... Do that. Yep. Pull it back in the turn they play. You are guaranteed to set them off some number of turns. Yep. Um, if you have to have it sitting in your hand, do that. Do not play it. Do not discard right. it. Keep this card. Hold it in your hand. It's, I typically advise against holding cards, but against a death like this, 
you need to push the combo deck into plain fair. Yeah. And this is your way to do it. This is your only interaction window also. Yes. Nothing you've done up to now has mattered. Right. The only thing you do after now is forging keys that matter. Yep. Next card along these exact same lines is Poltergeist. So a different house. This is in-house disc. Um, same kind of thing. This one just has the claws that you destroyed afterwards. It's not relevant here because the defense seed destroys itself. Yep. Um, Poltergeist is a little bit better of a card because you can kill like a crystal hive or whatever, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, same thing, if you could potentially archive this one, that's great. And then the last one is also pretty similar. It's my favorite, is <laughs> Snecklifter from House Shadows. So, uh, this one just takes the Nepenthe seed from them. Uh, when you take it, it would be readied. Yes. I would advise with Snecklifter, don't use it. Don't use it ever. <laughs> just keep it on your side. Unless, unless, okay, look at their combo deck, like, remember their list. Maybe they have... Uh, like they're they're going to be untamed, so they could have I believe it's called grasping vines sure. to return it to their own hand. Sure. Don't let them do that. Yeah. If they have any other kind of artifact uh, removal or uh, you know messing with artifact cards, then you want to probably use it to set them off, keep them from getting it back quicker. Right. Again, know your opponent's deck. But yeah, this one's super fun because you can essentially purge that yeah. Nepenthe. If they don't have a way to get the Nepenthe off the board, then you sit with it and play forever. And they have to play essentially a fair game. The The combo decks that are going to do the best are not going to perform particularly well as a normal deck. Uh, yeah. Even even maybe they can get a big library access turned, and that's going to be their best shot is if they can draw 10 plus cards yeah. just by chaining a bunch of cards with these phase shifts. But their cards aren't efficient at making Amber after that, so right. you still have time. So, um, these are the cards you're kind of looking for. And one thing that, that we have been discussing before starting recording is these are cards that might be undervalued kind of on the whole yeah. because artifacts, in, at least in our metagame, aren't like the focus of people's decks. In general, people are focusing on creatures. How many creatures do I have? Do my artifacts help my creatures in play? And that kind of thing. So people aren't really looking at decks and saying, oh, sweet, this has a remote access. That's fantastic. Yep. Where after Jacob opened this deck, I went back through all of my decks. I searched on keyforgegame.com <laughs> for remote access for Poltergeist to see which decks I have that have these cards in them and see if those decks look playable kind of in general. And then they also have these tools that are useful against combo decks. So if you have somebody in your meta that has a deck like this or you think you're going to like a larger tournament where these decks will be prevalent. Or just playing on Crucible. They, yeah, they're going to be more common on Crucible. Whether or not the people truly own those decks, they're being played. Yeah. They show up. Yeah. Um, so maybe take a look back through your decks. If you've logged them on to Keyforge Game, you can search for specific cards and it'll bring up all the decks you have with those cards. And see, especially if you have multiples of these. Um, if you have like remote access and a Poltergeist, you have some flexibility with which house you might choose on those turns. Um, these are the only three cards I have pictures of, but there's also some kind of minor cards. So, like, Scrambler Storm is a really good stall. It buys you one turn against this deck. Right. It says they can't play action, so the library access is not going to come out. Yeah. Um, even if you can't kill an Nepenthe, that might buy you the one turn you need to win the game. Right. Uh, Gorm of Orm, I think Gorm it's called. Gorm of Orm. Oh, I didn't bring him up. It's basically uh, the same thing. It's, it's a, turn, a turn slot. It needs to be in play, is sure. the difference. Uh, same with Whispering Reliquary, both in Sanctum. Yeah. Uh, Whispering Reliquary can be a little awkward as an answer, because if the game 
devolves into a mini game of you need to bounce my independent seed to my hand, and I'm just going to replay the independent seed. If you're not getting ahead while doing that, yeah, like if like it's basically going to come down to who has something else. Yeah. If I have an untamed creature with my independent seed and you don't have a sanctum creature, the game's and you're not also, like, playing cards to draw new cards. Or right. You're stuck on. I just have Whispering Reliquary. Yeah. <laughs> this is all I'm doing. Right. I'm playing that Nepenthe Seed. Uh, and if I have another Untamed card, I'm going to reap. Like, the game will end eventually. Whispering Reliquary is a pretty awkward answer. Um, what else? So, random discard is brought up a lot. I think yeah. that's a little sketchy, specifically against Jacob's deck, but also against these decks in general because. Uh, and Jacobs, if he has a chance to archive a library access, he's going to. Yep. It's not going to be in his hand. You might hit it like a t- on a turn. He draws a bunch of cards, um, but random discard is. It's okay. It takes possibly logos cards away from your hand yep. to make you a little more likely to whiff. Which I don't yep. think I've seen you actually whiff when you start going I, off with this deck. I have not yet whiffed. But there's been times where you're like, I'm like fifty fifty on this draw. Yeah, but yeah. It, it's certainly possible. I sure. haven't hit it yet uh, through. I don't know, like, ten, like, competitive structured event games and then a pretty significant portion of, like, casual, mostly between the two of us, are randoms on Crucible. You played randoms on Crucible this time? I played a little bit of randoms on Crucible. (laughs) It seems dangerous. It's not fun. They don't like it. They just, they usually leave as soon as they start going off. It's like, it's a free event. Why why sit there and waste their time? Um... It is, for me, it's fine playing against this one because I know you own it. I know yeah. you're not just, like, testing out the most powerful deck you could search for or yeah. something. So, um, in our games, I did not have much luck with the decks that are kind of my standard good decks. My my Amber Control decks and my really good Board Control decks, they kind of failed against this one. So I was looking through for uh, my collection for a deck, a deck that would have kind of multiple angles of attack against this. And what it came up with was this deck that actually I think looks better than it is. <laughs> um, in, in, in like regular games against regular decks trying to play fair, this deck hasn't performed very well. And I think most of that is due to kind of like the toxins looking better than they are. Yeah. Four toxins is really cool. If you can keep them in play, it's really cool. It's really hard to do. <laughs> um, so we played... We played four games with this deck. It's kind of a small data yeah. set, but in those four games, this deck, this is called the Monsieur of Vile Stairs, um, won three out of the four. And right. the one that I lost, I, I certainly misplayed something. I remember that game didn't, <laughs> didn't, didn't go very well for me. Uh, and like, just to put that three out of four into perspective, I have not lost another game. Yeah, Those are the only three games I've lost with this deck. And they were against... The deck where he came with dedicated, he was like, I know I'm playing that deck, yeah. I want to beat that deck, yeah. and we proved, yes, it's... It is beatable. It's maybe easily beatable yeah. if you prepare for it. It depends, like, the, the, the question here with, with deck selection is, what are you giving up for this matchup? And it's the same question you get with, like, sideboard slots and magic, anything like that, where you're preparing for a specific thing, is what am I giving up? And in this one... In the case of this one, it's not a very playable deck against any other decks. No, it's so it's a little little medium yeah. against the field. Um, we'll go through this one though and pick apart kind of why it works against the library access deck, specifically Jacob's version of it. Starting with House Disc Control of the Week, 
is a good kind of stall. It forces yeah. certain things to happen. Um, against Jacob's deck, you're almost always choosing logos. You're forcing like an early logos turn and just saying you have to play some cards. Sometimes it's good for you. Sometimes you get to archive yeah. things. But I don't want to choose shadows and I don't want to choose untamed because they just let him draw more logos cards for the big logos turn. Um, you basically never choose untamed because he has to play independence yeah. first and you can essentially stall the game for one turn by key keeping keeping him off of untamed. Oh, this specific deck could sometimes choose untamed to bait it when you know you have the remote sure, access. Sure, sure, That's a good point. Um, next card, Creeping Oblivion, is surprisingly uh, useful. It wasn't yeah. ever like impactful, but it felt like I was doing something because if I can kill the the Nepenthe Seed and then purge it with Creeping Oblivion... That's pretty great. You're never going to combo with yeah, like and you might also, have a big library. And there's a couple other things. like It, it changes how I have to play my game. Like uh, Cards like Key Charge, I, I kind of have to hold it or archive until I can archive it. Because if I chuck that into my discard pile and you purge it, it makes the game like not quite as much of a lock. Yeah. Uh, it's still... like If that's the only card you get, I'm probably still going to pull it out. Because I still have these phase shifts. I still draw... All 36 cards, 35 minus the key charge. And I, and then I have the miasmas off those faces. You're not going to forge, forge keys yeah. except for key charge, which Boom. is in this deck. I got it. Yep. Uh, so the, the Creeping Oblivion, the main things it really wants to hit is like obviously library access and the pen seed. I'm going to do my best to make sure that can't happen. Yeah. You have these toxins that maybe like hit them. But in that case, I'm probably losing anyways. Yeah. Uh, what they can hit, though, is... Uh, the phase shifts. Uh, I think multiple Logos creatures can set yep. back your Amber Generation. Yep, these bit. cards just they slow me down significantly, and they make it my fizzle rate yeah. much higher if I do get to go off. So against other versions of the the Nepenthe deck that aren't generating Amber with like a full moon yep. and creatures, you would want to hit Logos cards that are generating Amber on their own. Right. Uh, Wild Wormholes, Fogifies, whatever they yep. have. Yeah, any of that stuff. Um, next up is a bunch of dead cards, and then Ember Imp. Uh, so Ember Imp is just something that he has to answer. He generally has the answer for yeah. it, but it makes him do that. And if, it, if he has to take like a kind of a crappy Shadows right. turn to get this Ember Imp off the board, that gives me another turn of playing my normal game, putting my good cards out there, playing as many cards as I can, whatever. Um, dead card, four Toxins. He just kills those with, with Pawn Sacrifice, but if one sticks around somehow... It's pretty good. You probably, I would probably take a dis turn if I had a, a toxin out against you, just to get the random discard. Sure, I think it's relevant. Multiples for sure. Um, Tolas is actually a dead card in this matchup. You want to discard it because he will use it to generate his own amber by killing your creatures. So I learned that. That, that, that was the game I that lost. That was the game you lost. I made a I lot played, of Amber of Tolas. Yeah. I think I purged some things that you needed, and then I gave you this Tolas to make the amber that I took away from you. It was terrible. Um, so the Logos is just support here, except for Remote Access and Scrambler Storm. Um, these other cards don't really do much. But yeah, Scrambler Storm obviously is the kind of one-turn stall, and then Remote Access is the going for the kill card. Hopefully I'm winning on the next turn and the turn after that. And al well, also, definitely of note, those lab works. Like, yeah, the lab works are great. The lab works can hide that Remote Access, or they can hide the Creeping Oblivion. Until the turn that you look at it and go, okay, now's the time. Yeah. Or I play that seed and then you just have the remote access, but 
you got to continue your game plan yeah. because you didn't have to keep it in your hands. Um, and then library access gives me my own out. If he plays the seed and I don't have one of my answers, I can library access. They're both in logos. If I draw them, I'm going to get to it. So if I have library access and one card, even, and you play independent seed, I'm taking logos, I'm playing library access, I'm drawing as many cards as I can, trying to get to those answers. Right. That's essentially just digging for your outs because I'm not winning another way. You're winning on your turn. We both know that's happening. Um, dead cards, wild wormhole, you can get lucky. Who knows? <laughs> um, and then untamed, we've got dead card, dead card, not super dead. Key charge is um, relevant because, you know, if you're not planning for it and I'm able to forge a key right. and then key charge a key, I might surprise you and, and win faster than you thought I could. Right. If you look at my deck list, you know that's a possibility. So you might play differently there. Um, mimicry is super good because uh, I get to like copy his library access if right. it got dis if I randomly discarded. I get yep. to copy lab works. That's pretty important. Yeah. I'm a um, very action focused deck, yeah. as I think a lot of these decks are going to. Any combo deck is going to be pretty action focused. Yeah. And mimicry, you know, it was already a great card. Yeah, it's my favorite card. It's your favorite card in the whole game. I think it's my favorite. I think certainly my favorite untamed card. I think it's my favorite card in the whole game. I like the card a lot, but I can't say that I have a good deck that has mimicry in it to really. I also have Witch of the Eye though here, so Which get back nice. to that mimicry. Yep. Um, Nocturnal Maneuver is largely irrelevant. It it's okay if you have Logos creatures out and you're about to go off, and I can exhaust them for rob you of like two amber that you were gonna reap. It's yep. not great. Um, none of this other stuff does anything. So that's basically the deck. You're, you're playing your untamed cards as early as you can to get them out of the way to dig to the cards that are relevant for the matchup. Right, and I, th I think it's just relevant to just pay attention to how we're talking about this deck. The How many cards did you say dead card on? Uh, 20 of them? Yeah, like, probably. And, and this is kind of the fact of the matter. If, if someone in your meta has a good version of these combo decks, you need to realize how many of your cards are dead. Yeah. You can't do your normal game plan. No. Find your answer, and then win the game. Yeah. Do not do it in the other order, or you're gonna you can get blown out. Yep, yep, yep. That's kind of the biggest advice we have against combo is you're you're playing their game. Yep. And their game is you getting as close to winning as you can, and then they win, and you just want to disrupt that for however many turns yep. you need. I th I view the combo decks as. Specifically, library access combo deck. I think it's a glass cannon, but nobody is preparing for it. And and like the things like banning the deck from an event and and granted, they've said this isn't for power reasons, which seems it is. skeptical. Yeah. I'm skeptical of that. Um, they say it's for unfun games, which to me just feels like because it's too good. Uh, but. The will, it just leads to an unwillingness to just kind of shift your plan. Yeah. Uh, focus on the decks that have just some answer, and you're going to have a much better win percentage against these decks. And yet the combo decks, like, they can win on their turn two on the play. It can happen. Yeah. But you can't really beat those. So if you have remote access in your hand... They are in sure. for a world of hurt that's, on that that's turn, true. too. That is true. Um, so, yeah, I, I had something on my mind that I was going to say, and I missed it. Anyways. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, all right, uh, well, sorry, we kind of fell off there at the end. Okay. But, uh, 
And I, again, this is a one take conversational podcast of a Keyforge. I think we're gonna, we're wrapping it up here, and please give us some feedback. Yeah. Um, we're just we're we're again we're two competitive players. We're trying to see where this game is gonna bring the competitive organized play. It's if it's even it's feasible. roughly been announced, but nothing really. Uh, maybe it'll never happen. Currently, the game is. Pretty casual leaning, which is still fun. We still enjoy playing the game, but we kind of wanted to make this episode specifically. We kind of went out of order with our attempts to make this episode first because one, it's fresh in our minds because I'm playing it a lot. I got this deck less than two weeks ago or something like that. I've been playing it a ton, and every time I play it, it feels a little better. The <laughs> talking about the white of Zossel, the combo deck, yeah. and we just the attitudes toward the deck are really negative and i think if people just shift their expectations just a little bit they're gonna they're gonna find that they can beat it and and you know this isn't in my interest but uh i i think it's good for the game to for people to realize that that doesn't need to be nerfed i've seen people say library access should become an artifact library access should purge itself when it's played these are these are reaches it's extreme just just put her, pick a deck with remote access. Pick a deck with poltergeist. Almost cards, every house has an answer. Yeah. What I was going to say does. is those cards are good. Like, yes. having an answer to an artifact is yes. good. You, you don't have games to bring in cards yeah. to respond to your opponents. You need those answers yep. in your deck from the start. I think people are undervaluing artifact removal in general. Yeah. Um, we kind of made a joke about what if I bring this deck to a reversal tournament. Because I think a lot of the artifact removal cards are going to be relegated yeah. to the decks that people are bringing to reversal events, and I think, I think me knowing my my combo deck and playing a random deck, I I might be able to sneak out some victories against what I think yeah. is a very powerful deck. So um, if you uh, if you know people that have a deck similar to the combo deck we were talking about, yeah, and also send us those. I want to see them. I want yeah. to see more of them. Yeah. Um, and you're having trouble with it, and it's frustrating, and it's unfun, find a deck that has these answers in it. Try it out. Even if you think the deck is not good, even if you had set it aside, and you're like, oh, that one only has 16 creatures or something, and that's not enough, try it. And dig for those cards and see how the game goes. You're going to win more often than you would with a Playfair Amber Control deck or anything like that. Right. So, I think that's it for the combo episode. Um, and maybe we'll tackle some other archetypes in the future. Yeah, I think we're going to. Thanks for listening. Thank you.